You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of them did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? Doing good, Shane, but not doing as good as old Steve Spurrier, Holy one of crap. our favorites, the, the head ball coach, Shane. We touched on it last week when he was down there at Media Days. He talked up a storm. I kind of thought he was kidding, but uh, apparently he was not because remember that uh, AAF league he was involved in? He coached the Orlando team. Yeah. And they had a damn celebration down there in Orlando this weekend. They all got rings. They got a trophy. And, uh, oh, man, the, the the ball coach, man, he's just – he's got him another championship. Oh, <laughs> uh, his Wikipedia page gets bigger every day, Mike. <laughs> I can't believe – I'm not trying to take away from their accomplishment, if you even want to call it that, because they did. this league didn't even have a championship game, if you recall. They just, uh, you know, eight-week schedule, and they canceled it after six weeks, and they had the best record. So they're calling themselves the champions, which I, I thought was weird, but I think it's even weirder now that they get rings and a trophy and had a big deal about it. I mean <laughs> – Mike, this is the first know. time Central Florida has claimed a national championship, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, that was a weird one, Shane. But uh, beyond that, how about we break down these SEC media picks? The official picks were released on Friday. Any big surprises? Well, I guess I'll run. let me run down the division real quick. Of course, no surprise out in the East. Georgia, they're picked to, go f- to win the SEC East. They got 233 first-place votes. Florida picked second in the SEC East. They got 21 first-place votes. There's a huge discrepancy between Georgia and Florida there. Uh, Missouri picked to finish third. They got three first-place votes. And then how about this, Shane? South Carolina, number four. Tennessee, number five. Kentucky, number six. And each of them got one vote to win the SEC East. And then Vanderbilt rounds out the list there. Vanderbilt did not get a first-place vote. Any thoughts on uh, the SEC media's official preseason picks there? I can't believe Mason didn't put one in for his own team, Mike. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm more curious who who's voting these South Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky to win it all. Well, I mean, just the gap, you know? I, I mean, you're talking one loss, and those top three, four teams could be in. You know, it's just... I don't know, man. Uh, I, I get 
you know, on paper, you're going to have to say Georgia and Alabama are going to win it all. But it just kind of – I think it, what surprised me the most is just the fact that 21 – 233 for Georgia, 21 for Florida, just the gap between first and second, you know? All right, so let's jump over to the West, Shane. Alabama, of course, picked to win the West. They got 253 first-place votes. LSU picked second. They got five first-place votes. Uh, This is kind of weird, Shane. Texas A&M finished third in the preseason voting. They did not receive a a single first-place vote. But Auburn finishes fourth, and they did receive a first-place vote. as well as Mississippi State, who was picked fifth. They picked up one vote. And then Ole Miss, six, Arkansas, seven. Uh, I think that is kind of the list everyone assumes, so probably not much stands out from there, does it? No, no. No, don't you think that's kind of spot on, right? Well, I don't know if – I believe I've said on on this podcast that, you know, I really question what some of these people, how they damn vote. Uh, I think some of them – like, I'm not trying to take away from these guys, but, you know, here's just an example, Shane. Alabama beat writers, they're going to know Alabama better than basically anybody in the world. I'm not trying to debate them, and I, I'm sure they're employed. They do an outstanding job. But I would gather, I would almost guarantee you, Shane, that Alabama beat writers, mm-hmm. they can tell you basically nothing about Kentucky's roster. Right. And they can't tell you anything about Missouri's roster. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Alabama people. And then let's flip it to, say, a South Carolina beat writer. He can't tell you anything about Ole Miss roster. You know what I mean? So right. I think that's why you see these lists, and it's it reads like a damn feel still. Athlon, I mean, I, they just basically go down the list, in my opinion. Yeah, nothing. That's what I'm thinking, just because our list is different than these guys. But mm-hmm. you're right. You know, they're going off what happened last year. They're going off just prestige alone, you know. I mean, because Kentucky down there, you know, finishing, uh, what, sixth in the East, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, you're just, I don't know. I I wouldn't put too much stock into this. And then how about this, Shane, SEC champion picks. So we already picked, we already ran down the East and the West, but Alabama received 203 votes to win the entire SEC. Georgia received 49. LSU got three. And then Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Auburn all got one vote to win the entire SEC. And I just wish that uh, these votes were public because I, I, I have questions for some people here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why they're not. You know, you could always do that with basketball. You could keep up with rankings during, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. This right here, yeah, if, you, if you're going to put, your, you know, uh, uh, you think they're going to win the SEC, I think you should put your name on it. Um, I am surprised the gap that they gave Alabama and Georgia here, 203 to 49. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a significant uh, margin, especially when you're talking about just earlier how dominant you think they're going to be in the East. I'm starting to think, Shane, that uh, you know all the, this voting is done electronically via computer, and I'm starting to think there's probably some guys covering the SEC maybe – you know, from an older generation, not quite sure how to work the computer. Uh, they're they're actually picking South Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi State. Uh, they accidentally voted for them. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, SEC media's first team offense. We're not going to run down the entire second and third teams. But we're just going to do the first teams here, Shane. Tua's selected as the quarterback. No surprise there. 
uh, DeAndre Swift and Najee Harris. Well, you know, you, you've already got my thoughts on Najee Harris, but he made the first team list. Uh, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. So right here already we got four out of five players Alabama. That's insane. Uh, Albert O selected as the tight end. Uh, Georgia's offensive lineman left tackle, Andrew Thomas. Uh, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Prince Tega Wanago from Auburn. Uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama and Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. So damn shame we got half the damn offensive side. Alabama selections. God, if you want to crown them, Mike, crown their ass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> multiple Georgia selections. I mean, oh my God, this is. Uh, it's not going to play out this way, but it gives you a really good idea of what everyone thinks of Alabama and Georgia at this point, and particularly Alabama on their offensive side. Mm. No comment. First team defense, Shane, Raquan Davis, Alabama, Derek Brown, Auburn, Rashard Lewis, LSU, Jabari Zaniga from Florida. And then linebackers, hell, Shane, let's put two Bama guys on there, Dylan Moses, Anthony Jennings, Errol Thompson from Mississippi State. And then the defensive backs, Grant Delpit, J.R. Reed from Georgia, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, and C.J. Henderson from the Gators. So once again, Shay, we got some more Alabama guys on the list. Dude, you know, maybe what if it's this? These beat writers are like, "Hell, I don't know any of these other guys." You know, this is the <laughs> Alabama guy. <laughs> and it was funny. I I don't recall the dude's name. I'd call him out if I could, but uh, I I honestly don't remember. But I do know he covers Ole Miss, and I saw him tweet out because Ole Miss didn't have a guy on the first or second, third team. And he, he said something like, my goodness, Ole Miss may be hurting, but there's plenty of talent to put on these teams. And and that's kind of what I'm talking about, even when I'm saying, you know, that guy probably knows Ole Miss better than anybody. But I yeah. don't think he has an accurate assessment of what Missouri has or Florida Gators have. So he's just so biased on, on the team that he covers that – yeah. No, Ole Miss does not have a guy on here that sh- that should be at least not because we don't even know what the offensive court and defense is going to look like under these new coordinators. So uh, I don't know. I I just don't put a whole lot of stock in in those kind of comments. No, I don't either, man. That's like when they came out the top hundred. You know, I just I put out a tweet there about Tennessee not having one in the top hundred. You know, mm-hmm. just like not so much like. Oh man, I can't believe we don't have one. It's just like we're that's we're at that point. I can't believe we don't have one. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I think the same thing with these lists. I think there's, you know, and then you get to the end of the year. If you look at these like media day rankings and uh, player polls and things like that, and you compare it to the end of the season, you know, it's sometimes it's night and day, man. I mean, for the longest time they couldn't pick the right sec championship wasn't that a thing there for a little bit they kept picking oh, the yeah. wrong one and now we just pick alabama each year and, and <laughs> hope we get it right that's exactly <laughs> what they're doing man <laughs> not not us not us this year all right shane so i had an idea for this podcast i thought this would be kind of interesting because there wasn't a ton of news over the weekend but uh, you know there's still quite a bit of content from sec media days that we did not get to cover Here was my idea, Shane. So, obviously, and we already knew this, but Alabama, Georgia, dominant picks in the East and the West, dominant picks when it comes to the SEC championship. So I thought I would pick out 
some comments that from SEC media days that should give these other teams hope. So obviously I'm not saying these other teams are going to win their division. They're not picking them to win the SEC. But if they were to surprise, if they were to exceed expectations, I think I picked out some, some solid nuggets here that we can talk about from the players and the coaches at SEC Media Days. And if they're telling the truth, which they're not, not always the case, but I'm assuming here that they are, uh, how these other teams, I'm trying to give hope to all these other teams because while Georgia and Alabama, everyone's going to be talking about them, everyone's expecting big things, there's still plenty of reason for optimism around the league. Mm-hmm. So let's go around the league, Shane. We're not going to do all the teams today. We're going to spread this out over a day or two, a couple of podcasts, just because I want to go deep dive on a couple of these teams. But uh, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it, man. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know. I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just um, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail, let's get to work. All right, Shane, I'm gonna start off, and I'm gonna do this with Ole Miss to start with. Auditorio, Ole Miss. The old Rebels, because I've been so tough on the Rebels. And I was really thinking about it over the weekend, Shane. Obviously... I've been very critical of Matt Luke and his program, but one thing that we may all be underestimating is the ability of Matt Corral, their redshirt freshman quarterback. If you go back to his prep days, Shane, this is a guy, don't forget, that was at one point ranked as a top 10 prospect in the nation, not at his position, but overall, so one of the top 10 prospects. I think he finished... I can't recall his exact ranking by the end of his senior year, but I think it was like in the top 40. So, I mean, he was still an elite prospect. But this is a guy that was committed to USC. This is a guy, and then, uh, you know, they had some staff turnover. And this is a guy that was committed to Florida, and then they had staff turnover. So this is a highly coveted guy that obviously went to Ole Miss and found the connection there right before signing day. So they kind of swooped in and picked him up. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it, Shane? If I was trying to think of a list, but there have been plenty of guys who we didn't really have a read on going into their redshirt freshman season, and once they debuted, it completely changed the outlook of the team because if you have a dynamic quarterback like – and some of the examples I could think of off the top of my head was Johnny Manziel. I mean, no one saw that coming. Marcus Mariota, no one saw that coming. But once those guys emerged, it made those teams a legitimate threat in their conferences because they had an all-star quarterback, and uh, that n- neither one of those players was that long ago. And Matt Corral, if he is the next generation of that, uh, I think that gives Ole Miss a significant uh, bump in, in these preseason rankings. 
Oh, man, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think maybe, and I, I don't know if I'm if I'm being completely honest here, but I think there's a chance I'm reeling Mike in on the Ole Miss bandwagon, son. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like about it, because <clears throat> think about this. You know, like something that you hit hard on was uh, was Matt. A quarterback makes a difference. You know, look at Ole Miss, and or actually take a look at Auburn. As as hard as I am on Bo down there, you know, everybody thinks Bo Nix is going to be the greatest thing. But let's say Matt Corral did not redshirt last year. Let's say that he was coming out of California as the fourth best pro style quarterback, like he is. That was what he was committed as. And he signed with Ole Miss. We'd be singing his praises at media day. Like, you know what? That's okay because Ole Miss landed a stud down there, a top 50 player in the nation. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they would be – the hop train would already be moving. But because he's had a couple of stumbles out of the gate, a lot of people forget just how talented he was, uh, especially coming out of high school. And now he's got another year under his belt. You know, uh, he's – I, th- I think he's going to know the system better this year. You know, Matt has the tangibles needed to run this old Miss offense. You know, the offense is going to be a little different than last year, but he's got chemistry with players on the team already. You know, he got some playing time last year. I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off. I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off from Jordan to Matt Corral. I just, I, don't, I think the separation was closer than people knew. Yeah, and keep in mind, you know, the ultimate wild card in this scenario is Rich Rodriguez, who, I mean, who in the hell heard of Pat White before Rich Rod? I mean, who heard of, uh, the, the guy's name is escaped, Khalil Tate in Arizona? I mean, these were like no-name guys that he turned, Rich Rod helped develop into All-Americans. Yep. And if, if he's just given a guy that has All-American potential already, uh, and, you know, Rich Rod's got something to prove himself. I'm sure he's eager to get back to being a head coach, but it's not going to happen unless he has a successful run here at Ole Miss as an offensive coordinator. Uh, so that is the ultimate wild card for me in this one. But, you know, I wanted to ask Matt Luke about Matt Corral. He was the only freshman representative at SEC Media Day, so I thought that was pretty surprising. Uh, so let's jump to Matt Luke's comments here on Matt Corral. Matt Corral, I believe he's the only freshman here. You know, aside from his uh, play on the field, what gave you the confidence to bring him to SEC Media Days to represent your program? You know what? I think um, Matt has that competitive fire and that com- that competitive nature. He was he was thrust into a leadership role, and the kids rallied around him. And uh, I think he was a great fit this spring with Rich Rod and that edge and that passion that he coaches with. And so he was just a natural fit as a leader because of all those, uh, all those qualities that he has. And I think people and the teammates gravitate to him because of that. All right, Shane. So Matt Luke, I mean, I thought that was pretty bold. He's basically saying this guy that's been on campus for just a year, one of the faces of his program, one of the leaders. And, uh, you know, that seemed to be a common theme because I asked uh, his teammates here that were also at SEC Media Day. So let's jump to these comments from uh, Momo Sanangu and Alex Givens. A lot of us were surprised when, um, when we heard that, that a redshirt freshman quarterback, uh, Matt Corral, was going to be here. Were you guys surprised that he was getting brought to Media Days? And tell us a little bit about him. We don't know too much about him. 
Not at all. If you want to know about Matt, uh, you just got to know he's a competitor, man. Uh, he, he's a redshirt freshman, but he did get some snaps last year, but he didn't play the full four games, so he got his redshirt. But the snaps he did get, the team noticed, the fans noticed, and we were excited about him long before the season ended. We were excited for next year. And uh, he's, he's a great guy. He's smart. He's competitive. He's got a fire about him. Uh, he, he's got a cannon for an arm. And we're excited about him and where he goes. We had your quarterback in here earlier. Why don't you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, I'm really excited about Matt. Uh, he stepped up as a leader this spring. Um, you know, as you've seen, he, he's a very feisty player. Uh, you know, you'd love to see that as an offensive lineman. Um, and he fits well with uh, Rich Rod's offense. Very athletic, can run, makes good decisions, can throw the ball. So uh, super excited to have him in the huddle and be a voice for us and a leader at such a young age. All right, Shane, so for, I mean, any Ole Miss fan, you hear these comments, I think you got to be excited for what's to come from old Matt Corral. Oh, I, absolutely. And something that you don't hear a lot of, and if you watch a few highlights, the kid's pretty mobile. I mean, he's, he's able to mm-hmm. also do it with his legs. So uh, that's just a, another, another tool that uh, Rich can use in his system. And, uh, you know, when we talked about Ole Miss on our Media Days preview of the Rebels a few days ago, you know, keep in mind, they're, they're well aware they're underdogs against Memphis. They're already pissed off about that. So the, it's not just Corral that's going to be eager to prove himself. It's going to be this whole damn team that's going to be fired up. And I know it's at Memphis, but of all the SEC schools in Memphis, I would say that the, the Rebels have as big, if not bigger, of a fan base than anyone out there. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans in that stand. I, I ex- expect it to be around 50-50 Memphis Ole Miss fans. So it's not going to be like a true road game. I don't think it's going to be anywhere hostile for them. So I don't know. It could be a Matt Corral coming out party. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's kind of crazy, you know. When you, you think about the SEC this year, how many returning quarterbacks are coming back? I mean, how rare is that? I mean, if you think about it, there's so many returning quarterbacks. The ones that aren't, you got what, Vandy? They still aren't decided. You got uh, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, still not decided. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know what you got in Missouri, but here you got Ole Miss. Didn't miss a beat. They knew this was their guy. So I think that says a lot, too. Yeah, without a doubt, Shane. But let's jump to one of those teams that does not have a returning quarterback, but should have some extra confidence in who they got at the position. And, of course, I'm talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks, Shane. And Woo pig! I think I've hit on this note this offseason, Shane, but the Razorbacks kind of went from the worst quarterback situation in the league to arguably the best if you want to talk about, you know, the two deep because, as you mentioned, all these SEC quarterbacks are returning, but who left is most of the backups. So there are not hardly any reliable backups in the entire SEC, but Arkansas, no matter who loses this quarterback race, is going to be probably the best backup in the league. And the guy that uh, was kind of a hot topic down at SEC media days, my pick for the quarterback there at Arkansas, Nick Starkle. Let's jump to, we actually got, it's a unique situation. Well, obviously Chad Morris asked about Nick Starkle, but Jimbo Fisher was also asked about Nick Starkle, and uh, I thought Fisher's comments were particularly interesting, so uh, let's jump to him here. Coach, can um, you tell us a little bit about transfer Nick Starkle, what you've seen from him, and I mean, what you expect him to bring to this team? 
Well, I think when you, when you look at our, our quarterback room in general and the, the additions that we've brought in uh, and how active and how aggressive we were uh, this offseason, um, is, is says, says values of where our football team is right now. Um, from the addition of Ben Hicks in January and, and allowing John Stephen Jones to continue his development. Um, and we knew there was a possibility with a, with a successful baseball season that, that Connor could, could choose to go baseball. So we had to be active. And Nick Starkle was, was someone that I've known for quite some time as far as recruiting. His skill set, his level of, uh, of confidence, he's played in this league, he's won in this league, and, and I believe uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be a starter at, at, at another school in this league. And so um, to be able to bring him in, a, a young man that gradu has graduated and has two years left to play, will only intensify the battle in our quarterback room that's, uh, that's much improved. Back here, how do you feel about potentially facing Nick Starkle and what kind of career do you think he can have at Arkansas? Listen, Nick, I have nothing but respect. I, I said this last year, we had two guys that I felt could have started. I, I, we happened to pick, you know, Kellen got, won the nod and then played very well, but Nick is an outstanding player, has tremendous ability, can, has great arm talent, he's tough, he's mentally, he understands the game, he wants to be good, and he's, an, and he's a better person than he is player, and, I'm, I, and I think he's one heck of a player. I have nothing but tremendous respect for Nick Starkle and you know I wish you know you could keep him in there but I understand and it'd be tough it's going to be very tough playing against because he's a heck of a player all right Shane so you got two SEC coaches talking up the same quarterback that was pretty interesting particularly those comments there from Jimbo on his former quarterback who he may be facing here in a couple weeks when the season kicks off but I really think you know everyone's down on Arkansas and I understand why they just went two and damn ten yeah. but if Nick Starkle you know, if he really flashes, and, and kind of like Jimbo hit on there, I don't know if you can recall this, but when Fisher got hired on at College Station, everyone thought it was Nick Starkle's program. You know, I mean, he was a leader. He was the guy that flashed the talent. And most people thought, oh, Kellen he'd be on his way out. He's more of a dual threat type guy. But, of course, we know Mon won that job. But I think it truly was by a very slim margin in – I think that's got to give Arkansas fans you know, a ton of faith that uh, this guy can come in and, and be a difference maker for them immediately. Yeah, I mean, it was close. Uh, there was a time, honestly, we thought Mond was going to be the one out. So I'm sure Fisher misses him because he is, I, I don't know, maybe he would have pushed Mond to be a better quarterback, but now he's up here in Arkansas. Do, I mean, do you think everything that you're reading that this is going to be our quarterback this year? I mean, have we we given up on on the other ones? Well, they got Ben Hicks, you know, who started the system, knows it better, and he was the clear guy in the spring. So I'm not saying he's not going to start, but that's because Starkle wasn't there, right? Because he can't. Right. Yeah. So they've not really even gone head to head yet. But just after watching every throw they've made in college football. I mean, that's night and day difference for me. Like, I don't – the only reason you play Ben Hicks is because he understands the system. But I don't know – in my mind, if, you, if you're running one guy who's only got one year left and he's got limitations physically and he's throwing damn pick six, like, I mean, he was doing it from his freshman year to his redshirt junior year. I mean – he, I never saw that real progression from him. And then on the flip side, you got a guy with two years with a better arm who can really, 
you know, accurately push the ball down the field. I, I don't know. It just seems like an easy option to me unless, unless you just outthink yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. I was just curious. Um, if, let me ask you this, if Starkle was still down there at Texas A&M, do you, do you still think that we got a little bit of a quarterback controversy going into this season? Or do you think, uh, that Mon was clear cut? Because if you remember, I mean, there was a couple games last year. I think that if Starkle was ready, that you know they would have put him in, you know, just to mix things right. up. Yeah, that's an interesting question because I don't think Kellen Mond. They certainly, I don't know. I mean, there were there were times that there's a lot of Kellen Mond talk in the media, and I, you know, I've said this before on the show, but I feel like a lot of those people just watched the damn Clemson game. Yeah, and they watch the LSU game. They watch the bowl game. They're like, "My God, this guy's awesome!" But I'm pretty sure they missed the Auburn, the Ole Miss, the Mississippi <laughs> State games because because he was not nearly as good in those games. Yeah, so he was up and down. But yeah, if I I don't know honestly, I think if he was in College Station, it probably would be a battle. I think you'd give the edge to Kellen Mond still. Yeah. Because he, he did beat him out. I mean, we got to give him credit for doing that and, and having a solid season last year. But I, I kind of tend to think it would still be a, a pretty tight battle. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of Kellen Mond, Shane. Giga Maggots. So that's kind of where I'm at with Texas A&M. I just, you know, I'm not trying to bash the kid because, hell, I mean, go back and watch those, those games he did star in. He did look like, you know, the next breakout player in college football. He's got it in him. And that, if he can hit his next level, those Aggies, Shane, they're going to reach new heights this season in Jimbo Fisher. And you you assume they're going to do it anyway with Jimbo Fisher's second season there in the program. And that is something that Jimbo Fisher was asked about, Kellen on his progression year two in the system. And uh, here's what old Jimbo had to say. Coach, how far has Kellen Mond come since you first got him? Well, I think maybe you want to ask him that. <laughs> but uh, I think a long way as far as how he approaches the game and, and understanding how to play the position of quarterback, not from just an X and O standpoint. I mean, his knowledge of the game has been tremendous. The conversations we have and his ability to see blitzes and protections and how to attack coverages and all those things. But I think from a standpoint of how to be the quarterback and the leader of the organization from a standpoint of how much time do you spend with guys off the field, how he sets and works with the young players and understand the psychological disposition to be able to compete at a high level the ups and downs of everything that goes on and I mean he's he's a blast to be around unless nobody works any harder than Kellen does he's a tremendous he puts the time in the film room and in the, in the weight room and the conditioning and throw I mean he does everything he has to do to be great and he's one of those guys as he's having success he deserves every inch of it all right Shane so that's Jimbo's thoughts on it but Kellen Mon himself was asked about it so these are three different clips I spliced together. I thought this was some really good back and forth. Uh, Kellen Mon was asked about, you know, having a better understanding of the system and having all his receivers back. So that's that should be huge for this Aggie offense. Uh, having a better feel for Jimbo Fisher and his coaching style. And then finally, on how far he's come in terms of reaching his full potential in this offense. Yeah. As you enter your second year as the starter, uh, how do you feel like this offense is going to, I guess, evolve? How is it going to be better than it was last season? Um, I feel like uh, not only me, but everybody else on the offense has uh, put in a lot of effort and 
you know, learning the playbook and kind of learning the adjustments of the playbook. And that was kind of the, one of the big things that was kind of hard adjusting to in the first year. And so I feel like, you know, we get all our receivers back. Jay Sean uh, comes back after um, a pretty good season after uh, playing behind Travion Williams. And, you know, I put in a lot of effort in, you know, making sure that I know exactly where I need to be, where my eyes need to be every play. So I feel like just as a whole, um, you know, offensive line as well has done a really good job in the, this offseason. So as a whole, I feel really confident in everybody. And I feel like Jimbo Fisher is going to put us in a really good position to succeed. Coach Fisher can be pretty hard on his quarterbacks. Just what's that experience playing for him and learning from him? Um, I definitely, uh, you know, take full advantage of it. You know, I'm a very self-critical of myself. And um, I feel like we both can go back and forth. But, you know, at the same time, we're always going to try to make each other better. And I think towards the end of the, end of the season, he kind of put uh, gained a lot more trust in me. So, you know, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, what plays that I like and, you know, we kind of understand what type of plays that are going to work in certain situations. So just me being able to have more knowledge of the game and I could start thinking a little bit more like him. Um, I don't think I'm anywhere close near my full potential. And, um, you know, I always think that I've always, you know, I have room to grow and that's always the way I'm going to work. And uh, I know I'm not where I want to be right now, but that's why I continue to work. And that's not only on the field, but just with my leadership and my actions off the field. And, I feel like that kind of has a really big reflection of how I'm going to play on the field. So uh, just being able to you know, communicate and you know, elevate my teammates to make them the best players that they can be is uh, kind of a big thing, not just my play on the field. All right, Shane. So, I mean, Mon's got a lot to say here about the offense, but I thought these were some really good points. And like I said, he's going to have to carry this offense with Travion gone, with Jay Sternberger gone. But... You know, there were times when he proved it last year, and if he does that the entire year, yeah. hell, I mean, he's already said he's the best quarterback in the nation. If he comes out and proves that, um, I mean, I think the Aggies are going to surprise some people this year. Dude, he's saying the right things, man. I mean, he's saying the right things. But like you said, I, I think people are going to forget how important Sternberger was to that team. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to forget how – I, mean, I don't think people realize just how great Travion was. And I think they're going to see it in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, did you see, side note, did you see the uh, somebody robbed a convenience store and had his jersey on? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they were wearing his jersey. So he tweeted out like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> At least they went out and bought it. I mean, get, give him credit for getting yeah. a rookie jersey, I guess. Well, I don't know if it was – I mean, it was his number, but it could have been – hell, it could have been Rudy Johnson for all I know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I just thought that was kind of funny. But back back to Mon, you know, he's saying the right things. And, you know, Texas A&M's one of those schools. Kind of reminds me – like South Carolina. You know, you, you're expecting a, a difference in Mon, you're expecting a difference in Bentley. And if that difference comes, like if you're everything you're hearing here in the off season, if it's true that both of these teams can make a huge step forward, a huge leap forward and can actually be contenders in their, in their division. So, um, it, like I said, he's saying the right things. I like the receivers. They're coming back. They're bigger. They're faster. They've got more chemistry. Uh, it's important. He's not learning a new playbook. It's the same playbook, so there's going to be more continuity. That was probably the biggest 
Texas A&M move this offseason was keeping everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to help on the field as well, uh, especially right out of the gate. So um, you're, you may be right, man. They could, they could, you're kind of convincing me on the Texas A&M stuff here. I, I think they could really push some of these other teams like LSU, uh, Alabama. I think they could, you know, you just can't sleep on them. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump to Baton Rouge, where I, that's kind of the similar thing. I've been very clear in recent episodes how I feel about Joe Burrow and what he's going to do this year, and I feel like you're not there quite with me just yet. Maybe you will be after hearing these comments, but, you know, Coach O was very complimentary of Joe Burrow down here at SEC Media Days, and the leadership and the toughness of his quarterback and it's not just Coach O saying it, Shane. It's Grant Delpit, LSU's best player. I mean, the players really bought in on this guy, too. Every recruit's important. It's a team game. But can you speak to, it appears Joe Burrow might be the biggest acquisition you've been able to make. And his importance, you know, the quarterback position, all those things. He came right at the right time. I think he changed our program around. Uh, he gave us some stability at the quarterback position. He gave us a leader there. He gave us a coach on the football field. I think we've only just seen the beginning of Joe Burrow. Last year, we could not run him like we wanted to. As you guys know, Miles was hurt. Uh, we're going to the spread offense. He's going to have more ability to check plays at the line of scrimmage. We're about to see what Joe Burrow's really made of. I think he's going to have a great year. You touched on it. Uh, Joe was the right guy at the right time. He just seemed so comfortable in his role with your team. And you knew a lot of what you were getting, but is there something that maybe surprised you, a, a positive thing that you didn't see coming yeah. and, and he got here and you've yeah. seen it? You know, I knew he was tough. You know, and uh, Some guys talk about tough and they're not that darn tough, but he don't say a darn thing. And he's tough as a linebacker. You know, he reminds me a lot of Bobby Hebert. Uh, Bobby was a teammate of mine. Uh, Bobby had all those intangibles, uh, was tough, could take a hit. Uh, Joe's like that. And Joe's that type of player. Joe, when he speaks, everybody listens because of the way he works. And I told somebody a little bit earlier, uh, we had a recruiting weekend. Now, we couldn't go, but the acts of the recruits could go see our players practice on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. I said, sure, they can go, but we don't have a practice. I said, oh, yeah. Joe got the whole team to volunteer to practice on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Now, I've never been a part of that. So his leadership skills are unbelievable. Over here to your left. Grant, um, Coach spent a lot of time talking about Joe Burrow's toughness mm-hmm. today as a defensive player, a guy who hits people. Yeah. Can you speak to, to that? I mean, and certainly the, the Fiesta Bowl when he got laid out like he did and came back. And <laughs> yeah, I thought they knocked him out. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's Joe, man. He's, like I said, I'm, I haven't met a lot of people from Ohio, but that's how they make him in Ohio, then, hey, I hope he ain't that bad. But, um, yeah, Joe's a competitor. I saw a UCF hit. Uh, you know, he hopped back up, you know, came back in the next series, just you know, straight abusing them, throwing touchdowns after touchdowns. So, you know, that's Joe. You know, he's tough. All right, Shane. So, if you hear those comments, I think you can start to see why I'm so high on Joe Burrow. I mean, this – we go on and on. We've been going on about it all offseason about this new LSU offense. And I think you can change anything you want. You can implement whatever system, whatever scheme. 
but if you don't have the right guy under center, it's not going to work. And just based on comments like these, Shane, I feel like LSU has got that guy. He's he's got that difference maker. And you know, I I hit on it in the last podcast. I mean, this time last year, he was taking snaps under center for the first time in his life, playing in actual games that were not practiced for the first time. That was so long ago. Now all now his coach is bought in. This the players are bought in. He's leading them in damn practices that the coaches don't even know about. He's that committed. Um, I don't know. I, I just think big things are in store here for Joe Burrow. Oh, and I'm not saying they're not, Mike. I just I think I think great things are in store for this team as a package, not just Joe. You know, I, I like the fact that Joe is is a great captain, a great team leader. He's motivating his players. I, I like that. You know, I, I, I love the concept of this new offense. I'm in I'm I've bought into the hype. But are we going to see a better quarterback coming into next year? Now, I know we're going to see more passing opportunities, and Joe's tough. Yeah, I know he could take a hit, but he hasn't. He didn't do it last year. I mean, there was a few games he had some – I mean, I mean, he looked like the best quarterback in the conference. But then there were some games that it seemed like he took a step back. So I'm just curious as far as development, you know, not just – not just team unity, not just, you know, the raw, raw stuff. I mean, the film room stuff, the mechanics of throwing. I haven't heard any of that this offseason. I've heard it from all the other quarterbacks. I haven't heard it from, from Joe here. I'll tell you what, Shane, you're going to be singing a different tune when it's old <laughs> Joe Heisman up in New York. <laughs> Smoking Joe. I like it. I'm thinking he's going to have that kind of year if it all comes together like I'm thinking, but – you know, getting ahead of myself, but that is the key in my mind to LSU taking that next step. And I know we all look at the schedules. That's kind of a flawed way to do it, but we look at, you know, they got to go to Tuscaloosa. That seems like an obvious L, but hell, Mm -hmm. I mean, his first SEC game, Shane, Joe Burrow walked the Tigers into Auburn you know, for, for new listeners on this podcast, Shane and I actually picked LSU to win that game. I think we were we did. We were few, some of the few people to do that outside of Baton Rouge. So this guy can win in a hostile environment, uh, but he's going to have to do a hell of a lot more of that this year if they're going to take that next step. But I'm not ready to rule him from doing it. Rule him out yeah, from doing sure. it. Well, I mean, hell, they beat Georgia, you know. So I mean they're there. They're they not only that. they not only beat Georgia, they whipped their ass. No, I, I agree. And that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm not saying that they can't win a national championship. I just there's just there's things I gotta see. I just you know, it's I can't just say, Oh man, this offense is gonna be freaking awesome from a spring game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I need I need to see it on the field, maybe a game or two in and say, you know what? Burrow does look better. You know, this team does look better this offense can work this team can beat Alabama that's what I want to see and I I just I'm not willing to say that right now you know sure we ought to start calling you cold water Shane because that's what you're dishing out this episode uh it's late Mike it's late sorry maybe I brought work home with me I don't know (laughs) I'm sorry guys I got a feeling this last team we're going to hit on on today's episode you won't be though Shane let me let me say this. Clydesdale can cannot win the Heisman if they don't win the SEC. So you know what? 
I'm buying. I'm buying in. <laughs> all right. I'm all aboard. It's a team effort. Joe's going to do it. Uh, I am. I tell you what, out of all the teams, other than maybe Missouri, and of course, my volunteers, this one's the one I'm most excited about seeing on the field. Well, speaking of Tennessee, Shane, let's jump to the volunteers last year. And I wanted to hit on this particular note, Shane, because, you know, all offseason, a lot of the hype has been around Jim, the addition of Jim Chaney, the addition of T. Martin, the growth of Jarrett Garantano. People are, for some reason, it's taken them all damn offseason, but they're, they're finally catching on to what type of year this guy had last year. He had an outstanding year. But you know the one thing I don't think we're hearing enough about, and the key, if Tennessee is really going to make a big jump next season, I think it's going to be the implementation, the further implementation, I guess I should say, the advancement of Jeremy Pruitt's defense and that unit taking a big step forward. And that's something that Daniel Petuli, Tennessee linebacker, was asked about during SEC Media Days and uh, I think you're really going to like this comment, Shane. Now that you have one season under Jeremy Pruitt, you said you know kind of know who he is now. So first year, a lot of uncertainties. What can you tell us for certain about Tennessee football going into this season? <laughs> We're going to be a violent group this year, a really confident group going into every game, knowing what we need to do and how we need to do it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited. All right, Shane, so the Vols need a violent <laughs> defense, according to Batuli. And then here is Darrell Taylor. He was asked about these comments specifically. He had his own comments I thought you'd appreciate. We're going to whoop their fucking ass. We had a Daniel Batuli in here earlier and asking him about the team, and he said he wanted the guys in the defense to be violent and confident. Uh, do you sense this team needs a mean streak maybe? I definitely think uh, Batuli was definitely right about that. We can need to be the most violent and most physical team that we can possibly be. And that will help us to cause more turnovers and help our offense to score more touchdowns. All right, Shane. So, like I said, a lot of the offseason in Knoxville talk of the offense and how far that unit, I mean, that unit does have a long way to go, but that's anticipated to take a step up. But, uh, you know, I, I really believe the key to Tennessee's success next season is how far that defense steps up. What are your thoughts on it? Mike, I want to agree with you. I really do. And I think we've got the pieces to make a uh, an outstanding defense. You know, maybe not the greatest, but they have the pieces there. They're still young. You know, they still got they got places to grow. But the biggest concern for me, man, is just the line, the offensive line, the defensive line, the trenches. We were just so freaking horrible last year. On both sides of the ball, we couldn't stop them. We couldn't block them. You know, I think that's the biggest part and and my biggest concern because how much has that changed in six months? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's a real concern, obviously, Shane. That's the biggest question mark with the Vols. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to pump these fans up, trying to get oh. them geared up for the season. Oh. And you're just shitting on all of them. It's just going to be Alabama and Georgia going to the bowl game. Every other SEC team staying home I, for the postseason, according to Cousin Shane. I, I, the segment. You, you're right. Okay, all right. I got so you. This is going to well, make for yeah, one hell of a podcast. I, I think Ansley, Ansley's going to get these uh, DBs gassed up. I think, 
I think we are going to have a violent defense. I think we are going to have a physical defense. And I think we're going to have swarming around the football, you know. And one thing that I like is the players that we do have coming back, it just maybe maybe less blown coverage. Maybe they know exactly where they need to be and why they need to be there. So the continuity of this team, uh, Pruitt's got a big hand on that defense. I think that's going to be, like you said, a, a strength just because I think that's the strongest part of this coaching staff. A lot of people think Cheney is, but I'm with you, man. I think Ansley, I think Pruitt on that side of the ball, that's that's where the strength of this team's going to be, and that's what he wants to create. He wants to create a violent Alabama-esque team, you know, that's got a, a big, fast, physical team on mm-hmm. defense. And, and on the other side, we'll score points when we need. Yeah, and don't forget, you know, another great unknown for the Vols, Shane, a lot of these freshman defenders they got coming in, guys like Kavaris Crouch and Henry Toa Toa and Jalen McCullough, and, I mean, it's I, okay. it, it would be wrong to expect these guys to come in and be elite, obviously, immediately, but if they can contribute this season, uh, there's a lot of unknowns there on Tennessee's defense that, uh, you know, that could, could make names for themselves by this time uh, next fall. Well, dude, the depth alone on the defense, you know, here I was bashing the trenches, but we've actually got some depth on defensive line where we can rotate. That's going to be huge, especially late in the game. Uh, that's that's when you're going to notice a huge difference where there's not as much give because last year we had a lot of give there at the end of the game. The boys were tired, mm-hmm. you know, and if we're able to keep fresh legs in there, big bodies in there, I'll tell you what. When you got that moving up front, it frees up your linebackers. You freeze up your secondary. Uh, it makes everything better. So, um, and I think that's something that they really have improved on this year. All right, Shane. That's all I got on this one. I'm gonna try to get this going for the rest of the teams in the SEC for tomorrow's podcast. I gotta find some, you know, some good comments here. I'll be doing my research all day tomorrow, but. Uh, I'm glad you join me for me to pump up these teams and you to drag them way back to all down. <laughs> so anyone out there, you got some hate mail, send that to Cousin Shane's way. I'm trying to figure out ways for your team to rise up the SEC charts, make it to Atlanta, and uh, Shane's got you all pegged to sit your ass home in the postseason. So. Exactly. It just took me 40 minutes to realize what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and now it's too late. I, I'm already too far in. I mean, I did pump up Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of down on Arkansas and uh, and Texas A&M, so I apologize about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of redeemed myself on LFU because that's when I figured out what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, they're probably going to win the East, I mean, if I'm just a gambling man. Mm-hmm. And then, so I apologize. So tomorrow, I know exactly what we're doing. And I'm bringing my positive attitude. My glass is half full, Mike. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me, Shane. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And don't forget to give us uh, ratings and reviews. Those really help. Five-star hearts. And that's all I got, Shane. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, man. See you, guys. Go ball.